Hey, this is actress Carissa Lee Staples, and you're listening to the O Brother Podcast. Welcome to the O Brother Podcast with hosts Dan and Mike Smith, brothers from the same mother with different opinions on movies, TV, video games, and more, plus celebrity interviews. Get ready, get set, it's time for the O Brother Podcast. Welcome to the O Brother Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Smith. Alongside me, as always, my brother from the same mother, Mike Smith. You'd be missing it, Dan. There's a chill in the air. Is there already a chill in the no, air? I'm kidding. Yeah, see, it went like from that. like 90 to 60. It was like crazy. Yeah, you're getting that autumn's moving in. I, yeah. Well, I'll know. be up there soon enough. Yeah. You know, checking it out. So there's no chill down here in the old uh, south. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. No, Not till, no uh, what, December now. Yeah, I had a suit on today Yikes. for uh, something I had to go to, and uh, brutal. You know, it's yeah. just instant, and I had the full, like, tie and everything, and just instant sweat. Like, why did I even bother? Yeah. You know, it's gross. But, yeah, well, that speaks uh, to the fact that it is, of course, Halloween Fest. Halloween Fest rolling Hel- on. Rolling on. Yeah, that <laughs> phrase is going to get tired over the next few weeks. Probably already is. People wish we would retire it, but... Um, yeah, Halloween Fest here in the old brother podcast. I think I said old brother, the old, you know, the old brother podcast. Hey, speak for yourself. You know? Maybe that would, that would have done better for the channel is, uh, <laughs> hey, is the old brother, you know, a couple of like yeah. miners from the whatever 1800s. But yeah, in this time, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about the black phone, mm-hmm. which, uh, I, we sort of both talked about this, but I feel like this was. Was this your idea ultimately? I can't remember. I think I said to you, let's do old phone because old if, phone. Let's do old phone. See, you got, <laughs> you got me. It's a whole gag, a whole you, bit going now. You got my brain twisted. Let's do the I, old I phone. I said, let's there. do black phone because right. there's a bankable star, Ethan Hawke in it from Training Day and the Before Trilogy and. He's just an awesome actor. Denzel won best actor for training day. And yeah. I think he should have, you know, broke off a chunk and gave it to Ethan Hawke. Cause he was really good. But Denzel was magic in that film. He it's, was. And, and, you know, I forget King who he, Kong up in that, you know, what? right. He, he was up against somebody like Tom Hanks or something. And he was really kind of the odd man out. Yeah. And I didn't think they would give it to him because it was such a violent, you mm-hmm. know, drug infested movie, but it was right. such a great performance, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, a lighter subject matter here. With yeah. The, uh, the old lighter. black phone. Let's talk about the old black phone. <laughs> the old black. It, that, that would work because it is the old an old black phone. phone. Yeah. yeah. And we had an old black phone, you know? I, I yeah. Mean, I you know we'll get into that, but uh, rotary phones for the uh, for the kids out there for the, for the youngsters. Uh, what is a rotary phone? Uh, yeah. Well, even some even the cast of this had never seen a device such as that uh, before filming this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, we'll talk about that. But so black phone now is listed. If you look it up on IMDb, it says 2021, but it came out in June. Uh, it was June 24, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, it was directed by Scott Derrickson. Now, Scott Derrickson and Ethan Hawke had worked together before. Had you seen the film Sinister that had come out in 2012? No. It was another thriller, horror-type film. So you're talking over 10 years ago, 
they had worked together and it's part you know part of what went into the decision for Ethan to choose to do the role cuz he had worked with Scott before mm-hmm. but he was a lot younger at this point so yeah he gets a little bit more under his belt a little bit yeah, more experience yeah that was Gattaca days right back then would that have been 2012 i, era, I think around there, there yeah yeah um now it's based on a short story written by Joe Hill now do you know who Joe Hill is no so if you look up his full name Joseph Hillstrom King Hmm. That ring a bell at all? The lineage. We're talking about Halloween Fest, right? We just talked about the name King. So, uh, American writer born in Herman, Maine. Getting warmer. He's the sounds son of like writer, he's a King, a Stephen King disciple. Son of writer Stephen King and Tabitha okay. King. Okay, yeah, there we so go. There's a, there's a really good tie into Halloween Fest right there. So Stephen King's name is actually Kingston. No, 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 no. It, 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 Joe Hill is actually Joseph Hillstrom King, but he goes, oh, by, Joe, okay. goes by Joe Hill. Right. But I wonder if that has to do any Probably. Getting like, away from the King name, try to stand on your own. I, right, because even Stephen King tried to get out of his own name by writing books. Well, also just, in, yeah, in Hollywood, the thing with the names, it's a whole, yeah, you know, that, that's a whole night a rabbit hole we could go down. Now, it's definitely a rated R film. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we talked about Ethan Hawke, Mason Thames, uh, Madeline McGraw, and Jeremy Davies. That's kind of your main cast in this film. You want to set up uh, what this film is about? I, th- I think I'll defer to you to talk about the subject. Yeah. Well, basically, there's a guy in the neighborhood called the Grabber. That's what they've nicknamed him in the news or whatever. Why they call him the Grabber. The Grabber. And what he does is basically he he's grabbing kids from the neighborhood or disappearing. Right. And the police aren't really clever enough to figure it out, even though they're all from the same neighborhood and mm, his house is dead getting center. Whiff, getting a whiff of Mike's take here in the film early <laughs> yeah. on. Mike's yeah, take, that's what we're going to call it. Exactly. So anyways, he, he grabs one of the neighborhood kids. Mm. He's left in a room with nothing but like a mattress and this old black phone. I, and he keeps getting calls from victims. Yeah, you had said uh, on a previous episode of the show during Halloween Fest, you were talking about what was the um, uh, you you said yeah, if you really want to like endear the audience to to a character, you know, let's uh, center their crimes around rape or right, like that, right, and then child crimes right up there, right up there, number two, right up there. It's a, they're <laughs> neck and neck, folks. But, but yeah, so and I think that's part of it too, just knowing the setup for the film. Right. It, you know, creates a sense of uh, terror in and of itself, you know, right. Without right. even seeing it yet, just reading about it. But, but yeah, the, so he, he grabs main, this kid. Right. And the main boy. Yeah. Who's the one we see in the room with the phone. Finney. He goes by Finney. Finney. Yeah. yeah. He has a sister that has some kind of ESP powers, clairvoyance. Correct. They don't really lay it out too clear. And and her mother. Okay, so let's not get too down in the weeds, but right. Um, so you're setting it up to say there's this guy in the neighborhood who Mm -hmm. called the grabber and he's, you know, snatching snatching kids kids and yeah, and killing these kids. Yeah. So he gets a hold of Finney, and you know, he's got this dungeon basically. For a basement in his home. And as you said, that's where he dumps him. It's just nothing but a mattress and the old black phone on the wall. Right. And 
you mentioned that he is able to, as the movie moves on, he's able to communicate to the previous victims through the phone. And as the film goes along, they start providing him with clues right. as to how to get out of it. Right, like uh, you'll find wow. a rope here, you'll find a spot here where I tried to dig. Right. It's it, I thought it was well done all of that. You know, but it just you you got to be prepared to sort of, you know, give up a bit of reality here cuz cuz as you're also talking about his sister mm-hmm. played by Madeline McGraw who was just absolutely spectacular in this film. Just mm-hmm. what a performance this this young actor gave. It, it, and the same with Finney. Same thing. Great, great young performances. Yeah. Yeah. And she had a little bit uh, more street cred. You know, she she voiced a a character, I think, Bonnie in Toy Story 4, and she's done Mm. some things on the Disney Channel. Wow. This was, I think, his first major film, I believe, but Mm -hmm. just really, really good performances. And the dad, played by Jeremy Davies, who, you know, is blue collar guy, works at the nuclear plant. It's like a Homer Simpson type, you know. Yeah. And, and but he's also an alcoholic and he's abusive himself. Correct. You know, as I'm starting to I was starting to wonder, like, not sure, like basement, home with dad. Like it was again a toss. I know. <laughs> I mean, this I know guy, they made him a pretty evil character. And then we're evil. supposed to forgive him at the end. Right. Right. You Making know. him a sympathetic character. Right. Now you you're talking about let's kind of get back to the the point you're talking about with the the sister who's got these like you said abilities she has these dreams she keeps referring to them as mm-hmm. and she sees what the future the past well oh, she can tell like when they're hoping a kid comes back she'll say well he's not coming back almost like she knows he was killed mm-hmm. and. The police keep wanting to talk to her because she provides details. Mm-hmm. And the father does not like that at all. He doesn't like it. And, and apparently, as you learn, part of the reason why is because the the mom, his wife, yes. who is deceased, she sounds like maybe had... Well, it sounds like we were dealing with some mental illness in her case, at least the way they set it up. Mm-hmm. Or perceived mental illness, right? Because... It sounded like maybe she would have similar dreams or see things or whatever. Yes. And, and the, the dad says, you know, your mother had these things and it eventually told her to do things, awful things. And then she right. killed herself right. as a result of it. So, right. And that's a side story they really wasn't don't quite, get into. Yeah, it wasn't quite clear what, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, so... Uh, you know, what I liked about it, the setup of the film, because this is set in 1978 in Denver, which is where uh, the director, Scott Derrickson, is, is from, mm. from, from what I gathered. And he, the, it, he does such a wonderful job of setting up, you know, the first, what would you say, 20, 30 minutes, maybe somewhere mm-hmm. around there, where really painting this picture of, and, and we both know this, and I certainly know being a kid in the 70s, mm-hmm. um, there were so many things that, like Little League Baseball, you know, girls, yeah, Finney, Finney shoot, had a mean fastball. Shooting out rockets and riding BMS, BMX bikes and like all the things that were 
really reminiscent of that time. Yeah. Derrickson did such a great job of setting that up. At least again, if you can relate to have having grown up as a, as a young adult in that a young kid in that time, I thought it just, especially in Denver, like it felt like new England to me mm-hmm. where we grew up. So it was very relatable, you know, the way that he set it up. And he, I think it's this kind of innocence of youth. Right. And so mm-hmm. it was very sort of light and, you know, to really set up and drive home the terror Right, that was about to befall the town. It's it's like wrestling, you I know. If you want to have a really good bad guy or a good a guy, heel. you got to have a real bad guy. The yeah. bad guys make the good guys even better. What is it? Heels and faces, right? Yeah, faces, heels, baby faces, or or heels turning face. The crowd starts to like a bad guy. Yeah, so. you made a you made a comment about baseball where you know uh, Finn Finney is a pitcher in little league, yeah, and he's he's his arm is mint throwing smoke. Yeah, one of this one of his um, uh, his opposing Bruce Bruce mm-hmm. Yamada, right? Who um, ends up being one of the first kids that's that's taken that we know murdered. of. Yeah, yeah. But that's one of the first images you see of the grabber. He's got this black van. You know, of course, these characters always got some van with tinted windows. Probably not a good investment. Didn't Dad have one of those? Actually, not a kind of same thing. (laughs) Now, there's a whole side story we could get into. Dad, the grabber, the old black van that Dad had. (laughs) But, but there's a shot of Bruce riding his bike down the middle of the road. Yeah. You could do some of the things you could do back then, which again, I think is part of this, right? It was pretty easy to snatch a kid off the streets back in the seventies. We were running wild all over the place right. at all hours of the night, you know, after. Do you remember, I don't know if you're uh, old enough or, or young enough, whatever the case may be when they used to have the insect trucks. Yes. With the smoke. Right. I heavy, heavy smoke around this yeah. time of year. Just a truck that would drive by the neighborhood and just cover and the neighborhood. We would be running insect repellent. Yeah, we would be a, running in this smoke. A fog, yeah. A huge fog. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. No. Yet and you know, we, and we turned out okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the grabber would have had us easily, you know. Exactly. Just wait yeah. for that, you know, just follow that truck. Heck, and- why didn't he just drive one of those trucks around? He could have had a whole <laughs> slew of kids. <laughs> but, but there's a shot of Bruce riding his bike. Yeah. And it's very, you know, it's a very kind of uplifting scene. Hi, Bruce. And, Hi, right. Bruce. And he sees girls, yeah. he's looking at the girls walking down the thing or whatever. And then just all of a sudden, kind of in the distance, you see the black van turn the corner and turn out onto the street. And then the sh- the, the, the scene just slowly fades to black. Right. And, and you know what the rest and of And next thing you know, is. there's signs up, you know. Right. Missing child. Right, just some great directing there to set it up. Yeah. And again, that whole opening bit, just setting up the incredible horror of child crimes, quite and, frankly. And I agree. The first 40 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. had me. I was oh, like yeah. into it. I was riveted, yeah. We actually get our first glimpse of the grabber which, when he grabs Finney. Now, if you've read the short story, which I read some of the short story 
Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a very different character. It sounded like a very obese, uh, real heavy set character, bald head. Which was funny because there's a scene with Ethan Hawke sitting in a chair with his yes. stomach out, you know, yeah. trying to act like he's still heavy. better than both of us put together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he still was in better shape. <laughs> yeah, he was very, yeah, it was interesting to know that that was Ethan. It was weird with the mask. This is one of the creepier ones that I've seen. Yeah. And that's the poster for the film too, is that. Correct. Mask and the top hat. It's just, it's very creepy. So he, he encounters Finney walking down the street home from school and he drops a bag of groceries or something, right? Oh, geez. And just right. to try to lure, you can tell he's luring Finney in, right? Mm-hmm. And ends up spraying. Him. Well, he gets up and it's, he's not have the mask, right? But he's got like white face. Mm-hmm. If you know, it's just very weird. They did it and he tells him, you know, he's got balloons in the back of the car, black right, balloons. balloons. Right. And he says, oh, I'm a part-time magician. Right. You, you want to see, see a, a trick? trick? Yeah. And shaking up what we find out was like, you know, bug spray or something to knock him out and get him into the back of the van. And he uses the balloons, try to, in case anybody's To try watching. to cover it up. Right. Trying to cover it up. And then he lets them go. Now, if you read the the that whole sequence in the short story is a little bit different. It's very well written by Joe Hill, where, as I said, he paints it, it, a different description of the character. It's very, you know, overweight, heavyset guy and whatever. Yeah. Similar in that he's got two arms of groceries. You know, there's a lot of similarities, but um, but the description of things like Finney commenting on the balloons. The character of Finney in the short story loves grape soda. And when um, Joe Hill describes the can that mm-hmm. the grabber has, it's clearly a can of like wasp spray. Mm-hmm. And he sprays it in the kid's eyes and his mouth. And so suddenly there's descriptions like the he sees the black balloons as he's being pushed into the back of the van and he's thinking of grapes and the grape soda. Right. And all of a sudden, his taste for grape soda has changed because of this metallic taste that he now has. It was very just really well yeah. written. Just, see, that's what you can do in a book. Yeah, it's really nice. Like all Nicely the Stephen done. King books, they're so much more descriptive right. than right. you can do in a movie. So where it sounds like you got off the train here at some point with it. And and where was that? What the biggest strength I thought was going to be Ethan Hawke was the biggest downfall because as soon as they introduce his brother, I saw the rest of the movie mm-hmm. play out mm-hmm. like nothing fooled me. Not even the silence of the lambs deep fake fail i saw it coming well what was it that you thought they were trying to get you you know well first off we know as soon as we see ethan hawk that it's ethan hawk and he's the grabber Mm -hmm. so the police gonna confuse his brother for him uh his brother is also like trying to figure out the whole thing and he's got it all mapped up on his wall right to his house like Right. It, yeah. yeah his, his, brother, his brother's name was Max. I felt like that character could have completely been written out of the film. Yes. Um, I didn't get deep enough into the short story to see if it's in the short story, but that was one of the biggest problems I had is this brother character that you yeah. talk about. And you know, another thing is I, I wish that 
Ethan had never taken the mask off. I thought it lost a little something when you really completely knew that it was Ethan Hawke. Correct. You know, that that first shot of him, as I described, where he's got like this clown makeup on almost because the grabber in the short story says to the kid, oh, I'm a part-time clown mm-hmm. as opposed to a magician. But that was still very creepy and like, you kind of know it's Ethan Hawke, but it was just very sort and of different. And then it comes look. off in phases. It's yes. almost like the top piece comes off and you have just this yes. set it fake teeth. Right. And Derrickson talks about that. The director says, and and I think Ethan Hawke too, how, you know, use that as a device to sort of emphasize where, like, if he really needed to communicate, you know, the bottom piece was off. And if, you know, there was, there was justification, I guess, behind three different pieces. But when it was completely off, I know it lost a little something for me. You know, I wasn't as And there was elements in it where you're like, doesn't he hear that? Like, because Finney's trying to escape. Well, he's in a soundproof room, Mike. Right. He's say, he, he sets that up where he says, right. go ahead and scream if you want. Nobody's going to hear you because it's soundproof. And they even right? show it. They even show right. him screaming with a shot from outside where it's dead silent. That's right. You Which know? Was, that was really well done, too. Yeah. yeah that's pretty terrifying. Um, and, and, you know, his brother... Fast forward a little bit to the end, uh, spoiler alert, but you find out that, what, they live in both houses, one right across from the other? Like, one was the grave for all the previous kids that he murdered. Right. And the other one is just where he plays all the mind games. I wasn't even going to go that far as far as spoilers, but yeah. Right? I mean... There's two houses. Right, but, but that's why you might be thinking... When you realize his brother's involved, not involved, right. but his brother's in the story, you're like what he's not hearing or getting wind of this, right, right. Y- you know, it, like you said, it got a little like bit. when the door would open and and he would yell or whatever. It, his brother's upstairs on the so maybe he waited until the the brother was at work. I don't know. Why did he keep Finney alive? I don't. That's it's not really explained. It's another because it seems like he killed all the other kids right away, but right. for some reason he's keeping this kid alive. Right, and and what was the whole thing where uh, Ethan's character is saying because uh, he's like, you know, let me go or something. Well, I'm thinking about letting you go. Right, you know, and this whole back and forth. But then he says, um, uh, you know, he has to go upstairs for a while. And it's it's something he's like, what, is there someone here? Is it the police? Do they know? Right. You know, and all of this back and forth. But what, what was Ethan Hawke talking about as the grabber with it got, something's gotten complicated and uh, I'll be back in a while. And what was going on upstairs? Was he trying to help Max make dinner? I I don't, Uh, we don't know. We don't know. And, and at one point, again, another spoiler alert, Finney escapes. He literally gets out and he gets grabbed a second time so easily. I mean, and, and, you know, you see the lights going on. Well, he didn't, Oh, I in see the neighborhood. Mean, oh, when he literally was out running he was away, literally outside, and you and he's screaming, and the lights go out, and then Ethan Hawke kind of holds him until the lights, you know, go back right. out. 
and, and, then, and the van is sitting right there. Nobody yeah, notices this. Nobody's yeah. going to look out. Like, they're going to turn the light out and see this van and not call I, the police. A little weak. It was a that little was, weak. That was rough. That was a little you know? silly, yeah. <laughs> because wasn't Ethan Hawke, like, shirtless at that point? And yeah. He had the mask on. Like, nobody's catching this. Right, exactly. You know? I, I don't know if it was around Halloween, but that was a little, that was a stretch for sure. Yeah. But that's yeah. it. You know, it, it seemed like when the brother came in the picture, the whole thing fell apart. It was so, and and he was in Sinister, I think, that same actor. So was they he? worked, you know, this must be one of his go-to people. Probably, now. yeah. But he was way over the top with it. It was like the Sling Blade type character. Correct. Just, he's coked out of his mind, which was maybe another, you know, explaining away why he was so clueless. I don't know. Well, I don't like, think the it way just, he it wasn't until him. he killed 17 kids before he decided to go look down the basement. That's what they made it seem like. Yes. Right? So, yes. you know and what? Then he, I am going to go down there. Right. Let, you let can't me, stop me. Yeah. Let me check out what's going on. And then he sees Finney. Right. I'm your and, older brother, grabber. And I was looked over. <laughs> Afraid of. I mean, he was like a Fredo. He didn't need to have him snorting cocaine because he was a dimwit, you know? He was a total dimwit. (laughs) Meanwhile, you know, the the sister is, you know, she's literally cluing it together in her dreams. She's on his trail. Yeah. I I let that go just because I thought her performance was so intense because there's a scene where she's getting beaten with a belt by the father. Bad, yeah. Because he finds out she's been talking about the dream stuff at school or whatever she got to the police. Well, to the police. Yeah. Cause well, they came to the school to talk to her. Right. right. And, um, that was an intense scene where he's really kind of, you know, grilling her and saying, you know, enough with these dreams and you know, your dreams are just dreams. And she's crying. It was a really good performance by this young actress. I was like really impressed by it, but yeah, it started to go off the rails a little bit. You know, it, it felt like a, this would this would be something I could see on the stage as a three act play. It was very much kind of filmed and performed almost like a play, right? You got really one mm-hmm. set if you think about it. Yeah, almost um, like I, I would say Agatha Christie, but you know, you have all the people on stage to begin with, and then they start dropping. Right, right, right. And when they would go back, you know, we talk about Gwen's dreams. Derrickson uses kind of Super Eight film you know it was very kind of the old home movies like that we right, grew right. up with it had that just to kind of offset like the, her dream state versus you know what was the current day or time or what have you um it was filmed in north carolina it it's i mean the budget was only 18 million it's done i think 100 million over 100 million it's done well i mean we don't really get closure on what happens no no they they really the police show up at the door right which we don't know it wink wink it's the wrong door and they're about to charge in and they charge in wrong house or wrong to the wrong house right which well the right wrong house right because they're again apparently they must have done pretty well for themselves. They got one house on one side of the street, another house, pretty decent ranchers, you know, pretty and, nice and, houses. Uh, he's not really working because he's 
He's just well, he's sitting a, there all day. He's a part-time magician. He's a part-time clown. Yeah, so he's yeah. making up. Yeah, he's getting, he's pulling, yeah. He's got, Side hustle. Yeah. Uh, these balloons don't pay for themselves. These balloons don't pay for themselves. <laughs> and you know, it was really, I, this just since we're goofing on it a little bit was, um, there's, you know, early in the film, you know, a typical coming of age film where Finney's character is, you know, he's probably liked to be a little bit more popular with the female, you yeah. know, characters yeah, yeah, in yeah. the film. And, and once he, um, well, he gets his ass kicked a few times in the film, but there's a scene early in the film. You talk about this character, Robin, who's like the, the, the badass kid at school, but he was like the size of a, like, he was just yeah. this young, little, very diminutive kid. We're introduced to him where he's squaring off with this much larger kid. A bully. Yeah, and he ends up just wiping the floor right. with this kid. Destroying him. Now, I witnessed almost the exact same fight at school. This you was very tell- this this was very Are big. You the one that then. told mom on me? No, no, no. This wasn't you. Oh, there was a kid oh. in the neighborhood that I went to school with. Right. Now back then, I don't know about now. Um, I don't want to know about now, but back then it was very common. You know, that one of my favorite movies, Three O'Clock High, which is all about right. this kid being threatened by the bully at three o'clock. I'm each in the parking lot. Correct. That used to happen every day. To oh, some, yeah. That was the some big kid thing. in school was always being threatened to get beat up in the Correct. parking lot, right? Correct. Sometimes it was me. I had a couple sometimes of times. It was, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you're the perpetrator. Sometimes you're the, you know, on yeah. the other side of it. But you can see that the girls of school seem to take to that more than, you know, Finney right. when he gets his ass handed to him. But at the end of the film, one of the last scenes in the film, I think, is him sitting down in next class to next to one of those girls from early in the film. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden she's, you know, hey, Finny, you know, I'm right. like, OK, so turns out murder gets the, the women. I mm. mean, is that the lesson here? It was very right. odd. So you're a victim of the grabber, huh? Hmm. Well, spoiler alert, <clears throat> spoiler alert, he kills the grabber. See, now you just spoiled it for me because I forgot that. What? How did I forget that? I don't know. When did you watch the film? Back in the 78? (laughs) No, last week when we decided. (laughs) Yeah, he he kills Ethan Hawke. Oh, I I forgot that. Because remember, I just said, I said they really didn't clean it up because I remember the cops going in Mm -hmm. and... And then it was kind of no. It's, it, that was a result of really him trying to get away that first time that you described. Right, it brings it back in, and now it's like now it's on because he's right. pissed, and you know. And the grabber never heard like his basement being demolished throughout the film. Uh, he tried to get through the wall at one point. Yeah, tearing the floor up. I mean, I guess the soundproofing was the yeah, but still, there. it was soundproofing to the outside, not right necessarily to him. <laughs> <laughs> and he always would turn a light on and cough before he came in the room. You know, like so Finney could get back into the bed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, he's a nice, a, a friendly neighborhood grabber. Yeah, you know, you know, he's he he's he protects the privacy of his victims. But yeah, that was the whole like he was teaching him how to throw yeah, a punch. Yeah, I remember that. Phone, right. Yeah. Step back, then step forward real quick, then swing. Right. You know? And right. and so that's how we ended up actually getting. It. It I don't know violent. why I forgot that, but but I wrote it's... it down. I'm like, turns out murder gets the girls. It, it was just like a weird. 
thing, it, you know. The the whole ending, like I said, they they definitely were stealing Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. for the ending, you know, when when the cops break in and they think they're going to rescue the girl and the she's Buffalo really Bill. Yeah. So um but the first, like I said, the first 40 minutes really engaging and then it just falls apart so bad. Yeah, I I almost I couldn't I, really enjoy it at that point. I think I would have it might have been a better film throughout if, if they didn't use all the different devices, you know, with the ghost cuz you had to you had to suspend so much disbelief. Right. You know, yeah, there, there was some cleverness to it. Like he'd be talking to like a kid would call him on the phone and the kid would be next to him. Would be there. Right. And, and I thought now, that was kind of clever. It was. And, and actually, uh, Mason Thames, who plays Finney, talked about how on set, because that was just a set that they built. Right. The actors, those actors that were playing the other kids were on the other side of the wall. So he could actually hear them on the phone. Oh, okay. Which he said really helped with his performance. Oh yeah, sure. You know, uh, but yeah, that's was what another thing that made me feel like this. I'm like I'm watching a play right yeah, now. Yeah, the way that it was filmed and, and right because that's what they would do in a play. That's and I've right. been in plays where you know they drop the curtain, raise the curtain, drop the curtain, and that's to show it's a new day. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff they use devices like that in theater all the time. Yeah, it's not a long film. It's about an hour and forty three minutes. So I mean, it's right. a pretty it's a pretty easy watch. And but for um, me, once the brother came in and I basically saw the ending, I mean, there was a good half hour left, and I could see it f- from a mile away. Like it almost ruined the stuff that I liked. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's like I I at the end of it, I'm like, you know what? There was a lot of good stuff. But the bad stuff kind of over t- overtook it. Mm. Yeah. It, the one thing I found interesting, I was watching some of the uh, behind the scenes, just some interviews with Ethan Hawke and some of the cast. And one of the things he talked about, you know, because not an easy decision to choose to to, to take on a character like this when you're such an established actor. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to play a masked uh, guy that, you know, kill, murders kids. It's like, right, let me right. Think about my portfolio for a second before I make that decision. Right. Because he said, interestingly, he said, you know, it really, when you play a character like that, it can change, at least in his mind, it ch- can change the audience's perception of you Definitely. going forward. Right. And he referenced specifically Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Mm-hmm. And he said, there's Jack Nicholson and then there's Jack Nicholson post The Shining. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you can't separate the two because that left such an indelible right. image and, you know, burn into your brain, that character, Jack. Ultimately, the story was, you know, well-written and mm-hmm. uh, he'd worked with Derrickson before, as I said. And so, um, I think you know. you're right, though. I think if you cut that character, you don't really need him, do you? Max, police, yeah, you don't no. really need him. You don't, because you've got his sister is the one solving right. the crime, basically. And then the police are tracking it. So why even it use just, him? And if they did, it, he, he was too silly. It was too right. silly a character. Like, if, if it had just been portrayed differently, maybe. But yeah. I think they could have done without it altogether. And it I think so, fine. too. It would yeah. have been fine. I think it would have been so, a better movie. So where do you land with this? You recommend, you don't recommend. Do you own this film? 
now. You can get it free right now. It's on Prime. Yeah, that's where where I watched it. I didn't see the extras. Where did you get oh. those? On was on, it on Prime? On stream? No, on the internet. Oh, just on okay. YouTube. Yeah. Um, you know, for for horror people, they suspend a lot of disbelief. So, right. If you, I, I mean, you, you know, case in point, right. Yeah. I think if you, you're you like that sort of thing, you can engage in the first half very easily. Um, yeah, I think those people will walk away kind of liking it. Yeah. And I think other people like me, you know, I'm, I'm going to be picky of everything. And like I said, I, the back half of the movie ruined the front half for me. It was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I gave you all that credit. Yeah. And now I'm taking it back. Now, uh, a 65, uh, meta score. What's your take on that? That's high. You find Very that high. high. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I would I, come in lower than that. Critics, 82%. Wow. Audience, 88%. Wow. And Both I think high. it's, I think it speaks to the strength of, as you keep pointing out that first 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's when I hate, I'm sorry, but it's when Max comes in, it just kind of, it, it really it goes off something. the rails. And, yeah. and again, there was some clever techniques used and, um, I, I, uh, it's hard to take away that from did the you, movie. Did you recognize Jeremy Davies, who plays the um, he plays the dad? Did you recognize him? You know, I thought I did, but I'm not sure from what. I knew I kind of did, but he had this, such a big, thick beard, right, and a lot and long hair, long hair. But he was a he was a character in Lost, a very well known character in in uh, in the TV series Lost. Um, he was also in um, Saving Private Ryan, which I didn't remember. He played an interpreter for Tom Hanks's character. Again, between him and the kids and this abusive alcoholic father that they were dealing with. So it was like I said before, I don't know if I'd rather stay home or head to that basement and hang out with the grabber. At least you were getting three meals a day. You know, you get some Yeah. Food. You got the old black phone you can play with. <laughs> You could talk to your friends, talk long deceased. Friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something to be said about the Grabber's Dungeon. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, anything else to say about the black? No, I oh. think I think we both hit too many notes of it, yeah, probably. Yeah. But well, it, you know, know, I think at this point, people who are into the genre have seen it. Oh, right. Yeah, you're talking about spoiler alerts. Well, we've got right. you know we've got our production assistants that'll take care of that. So yeah, just put a lot of good like spoiler alerts you know ahead or, of time or here. drop chunks of it out. <laughs> Release this as a series. Yeah, it's a four part series. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for another episode of the the old brother podcast. The old brother. I've been your host, Dan Smith. Long Simon is always my brother from the same mother, Mike Smith. And we will see you next time. I'm chilly here in New England. Boo, everyone. This is Cindy Busby, and you're listening to the O Brother Podcast.